Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, the podcast where we talk about soundtracks and personal connections uh, to them. Today, our guest is Amber Avilas. You may recognize her voice. It may sound very familiar to you uh, since she does the intro and the outro for this podcast. She is a stand-up comedian and a voice actor. Welcome to the show, Amber. Hi, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me today. This is awesome. Thank you for doing this again. And let me, let me explain. <laughs> so we tried to cut this episode a week or two ago, and it, it went off the tracks very quickly. So... I know Amber through my wife. The two of you worked together when um, I first started dating my wife. And shortly after we started dating is when you got married, correct? Correct. So I would assume that at work, you know, my wife would probably ask you, how's the wedding planning going? Have you guys picked a a cake yet? Have you guys, you know, figured out where you're going to have the ceremony? Um, I'm sure like that, that was probably just a normal part of uh you know the chit chat at work and i guess at one point you guys were talking about the first dance song and my wife left those conversations thinking that it was you've got a friend in me by randy newman from toy story and i thought oh that'd be great we can talk about how this song from a movie soundtrack soundtrack to this important part of your life perfect for a a podcast called Soundtrack Your Life. But then you revealed that that was not the case. (laughs) (laughs) It should have been my wedding song now that I think about it. And what was the song that you danced to instead? It was Billy Joel's The Longest Time. Uh, Which is also a great song. (laughs) (laughs) But not from the You've Got a Friend in Me. Yeah, and not from the Toy Story soundtrack. So when I told you that we were going to do Toy Story, you were super confused, and you thought we were just going to talk about the the movies, <laughs> <laughs> which which is my bad. I should have probably like double checked uh, with you beforehand, but but it just led to things like going off the rails very quickly, and for me, it it caused me to like do a lot of mental gymnastics, and I think. I think I was distracted the entire time by trying to figure out why I was so certain of something that was incorrect. It was amusing from my end because I wasn't sure what you were asking for. I'm like, there's a story. What story? Is there, is there something I'm missing from my life that I don't remember? I was like, what does he know that I don't know? You know I was entertained. Yeah, and what's great is after the podcast was over, went up, to go to sleep and I said I told my wife I said hey did you know that Amber's first dance song was actually Billy Joel and she said I didn't even know that she liked Billy Joel (laughs) (laughs) there you go but since it was in the running for your first dance song obviously uh, it's a song that you like quite a bit I do I love that song 
I feel like it applies to all aspects of one's life, you know, different relationships, whether it's a friendship with your parents, you know, or your spouse or your children. It's, it's, I think there's a lot of commonality across all of us, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, an iconic song. I feel like everybody who's seen a Pixar film knows that song, you know, it's transcended pop culture. Uh, interestingly enough, it is a song that was nominated for an Oscar, but it didn't win. His song from Toy Story 3 actually won an Oscar, and also his song from Monsters, Inc. also won. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of interesting. This is probably his most famous song, and it didn't win the award. Yeah, that's mind-blowing to me. I feel like it's very iconic. Yeah, I think it's interesting that there's probably a good number of people who only know Randy Newman is like the Pixar music guy and they don't realize yeah. he had this huge career uh, before he, you know, did Toy Story 1. And another one of his songs are very, is, is very important to you and that would be I Love LA. Absolutely. After every Dodgers win, they play that song and it's the greatest feeling on earth. I won't leave the stadium until that song is done playing. Yeah, and I did a little bit of research this week on other iconic songs about LA. And, you know, this is probably uh, surprisingly the one that is like the easiest to, like, it's the most anthemic song of all the songs about LA. Yeah, for sure. You know, you have Tupac's To Live and Die in LA, and that's not really what you play after a Dodger <laughs> win. No. No, that, that that wouldn't be appropriate, I think. I was surprised because I feel like there's so many songs about L.A., but I guess a, a lot of them are about just Hollywood or or they're about, you know, certain pockets of L.A. There's not a lot about just celebrating being from L.A. Yeah. Or being in L.A. Um, Is so- there a song for you? That helps you identify with what home is or where home is? No, I don't I don't think there is. I know that you know, in Minnesota there's not a ton of, of bands that write <laughs> songs about Minnesota. And then, you know, then I moved to San Diego and you know, there's right. there's some songs about San Diego. But you know, I I I think a lot of them were either ska ska or punk songs. Okay. Um, and since that didn't really resonate with me, didn't really make me feel like those were songs about home. That makes sense. But what I do think is interesting is when you go to an Angels game, mm-hmm. before uh, the game starts, they'll show this video montage of Angel Greats. Uh-huh. And they set that video to trains calling all angels, which I really don't like trains. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So I I feel like it's a tale of two cities, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's really funny. See, Dodger Stadium has a better song. Yeah, Train versus Randy Newman. I'll take Randy Newman 100 out of 100 times. Oh, of course. Me too. But what I like about uh, baseball in general is I feel like a lot of the stadiums try to have have that home sort of feeling. Like they have songs that are catered to, to their stadium. I feel like there's a unique experience at each park. Oh, for sure. Like when you go back to Minnesota and attend a Twins game, is there a song that you identify with that stadium? Is it Train 2? 
No, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, the last time I went to a Twins game, it was the weekend that I, it was the weekend that I proposed to my wife. Right. Yeah. And that was also the weekend where the replacements were reuniting for the okay. first time in Minneapolis, where they're from, mm-hmm. in like 20 years. St. Paul, to be more accurate, but. So they played a lot of replacements that night at the stadium. So I was very excited about that. Yeah. Kind of tied the whole weekend together, the proposal, the reunion concert. It's perfect. So what was unique about going to Twins games prior to this experience at Target Field was um, they used to play in a dome. Really? Yeah, they used to play in the Metrodome. Oh, I didn't know that. And so after I moved to California... Uh, I didn't end up going to any Padres games until like after college. Mm-hmm. But my first Angels game uh, was in college. And I remember walking around the stadium. And at one point, I just stared straight up in the sky. Uh-huh. And my friends were like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and I was very confused because I could actually see, I could actually see the sky. Uh-huh. Because when you grow up watching baseball in a dome, it's just like white. doesn't matter if it's daytime or nighttime. It's just the white dome above you. Yeah. And so I was confused that I could actually see the sky. Wow. Like I was a grown adult and being like confused. Like I can see the sky in a baseball game. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all we know out here in California. Right. And now playing in a dome just sounds so absurd to us, you know? And now Minnesota has an outdoor stadium, so it's yeah. less confusing for me. But it <laughs> You've was, adjusted well. Congratulations. Thank you. It was really mind-blowing the first time. Like, I think my friends probably thought, like, my brain had just broken for some reason. <laughs> That's and this awesome. was even before the train. This is even before <laughs> train was, was used before the Angels games. Because that song didn't come out till 2009. But Wow. Yeah, it was, you know, and I played Little League as a kid, so we played outside then. But for some reason, like, being at a professional stadium and being able to see the night sky was confusing. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. And then I saw the rally monkey and got really confused. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never liked uh, that monkey or the rally thunder sticks. I don't know if they do that at Angel Stadium anymore. I don't know if they do, but when they did, I did not appreciate them. I just was not a fan. My friend brought his son to his first Angels game last year. I went with them. And so they, they usually go to Dodger, Dodger games. Mm-hmm. But my friend wants to kind of introduce his son to, to all the stadiums if possible, which is, I feel like, a common thing that dads want to do. Yeah. So I told I told his son I was like you're gonna see a monkey today, and he did not believe me. <laughs> like he just thought I was a liar. Oh my gosh! And when he saw the monkey, was he just blown away? I think he was more confused, but then I think he realized I wasn't a liar, which was which was nice. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I remember taking my younger brother, we're 17 years apart, so when I took him to his first Dodgers game, I think he may have been three, 
or four. And my aunt had really good seats from a vendor, like right behind home plate, just outside the blue section, um, the dugout club, just behind that. So we were in the field level, and there were awesome, awesome seats right against the wall, right in front of the wall, I should say. And it was, uh, was it Tommy Lasorda's birthday? I don't know. I just remember they brought out a big sheet of cake. My little brother got a piece to that. And then a foul ball that was hit, caught by one of the security guards. He walked over to us and gave my brother the ball. And then um, all my brother could pay attention to were the beach balls just being like you know bouncing everywhere on different levels of the stadium and i was like just watch the game and he's like i want the beach ball and i was like oh my gosh and then uh, a few years ago one of my friends brought her son to an angels game and he was as calm and collected as can be like the complete opposite of my brother. Like he actually paid attention to the game was asking questions like which Dodgers pitchers that I, that I really was a fan of who my favorite players were. I mean, he knew them and he, he was, I think about six at the time or five, but man, completely different. Either way, it's a good time to like take them to their first game, you know? Yeah. Nothing I think like my- it. I think my friend's son was most interested in one snacks, <laughs> two where's the monkey, uh huh, and then uh, then he was just excited that he got to run the bases after the game because oh Sunday. that's cool. I was trying to look up like what other teams do to kind of customize the music to their surroundings. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the the Red Sox are known for you know doing Sweet Caroline. Yeah. I guess when the Giants win a game, I know you don't want to hear about them ever winning a game. Oh, that's okay. Play Tony Bennett. I left my heart in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And then the Cubs have that, like, Go Cubs. Is it Go Cubs Go? They have, like, a song written written for them specifically. Oh, really? And you know what other team does? That you would never guess has a song specifically written for them? What? The Miami Marlins. Really? Yes. Who sings it? Emilio Estefan. Stop! No way. Not Gloria Estefan, Emilio Estefan. Emilio. Wow, that is awesome. I'm going to have to look that up. I feel like that's very appropriate. And I feel like it's like maybe Jennifer Lopez should write a song for the New York Yankees. I don't think that would go well with the Yankees. <laughs> maybe not. Like maybe if her man was Jeter, but not A-Rod. Right. That is very true. I like Emilio. That's fun. I think that's that's hilarious. Well, I know there was a band called The Hold Steady. They recorded... A version of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" for the Twins. That's as oh. close as, as as it's gotten. Do you sing when they play that song? Like, do you stand up in motion through the song? Yeah, I mean, I, usually I will. If I'm not using the seventh inning stretch to use use the facilities. Gotcha. Okay. I do all the time, and my voice will crack and crack, and I don't care. I am belting it out. So fun. It's a good song. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I believe after take me out to the ball game at Angel Stadium, they'll then play um, Build Me a Buttercup. What? Yeah. Yeah, Build it, me a buttercup. No you way. Know that song. Yeah. How is but, that a baseball song? But like nobody knows why. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I was reading this uh, ESPN article on stadium songs, and this is uh-huh. um, from 2012. But it says that uh, rumor has it Buttercup was chosen by owners Art Artie and Carol Moreno mm-hmm. because it was among their favorite songs, but the Angels say it was simply the first song that tested well. Wow. Huh. Well, aren't those angels interesting? Yeah, I mean, as much as I don't like that train song, at least, you know, I understand why they why they use it. Yeah. And it's, you know, as upbeat as a song about angels tends to get. Right. Because I was like, I was like, Eunice, what's that famous song about angels? And she's like, Sarah McLaughlin. I was like, you know, not play the Sarah McLaughlin song at Angel Stadium. <laughs> oh my gosh, it'd be so depressing. Yeah, like all Angel songs are typically pretty sad. Yeah. So Especially the train train has cornered the market on positive Angel songs. Good for them. Are they still together? Are they still a thing? I would assume so. I I know almost nothing about that band other than like anytime I hear one of their songs, I don't like it. <laughs> Are they your least favorite band of all time? You know, they might be. Yeah. They might be up there. You know, it's really um, trendy to hate on like Nickelback or Smash Mouth. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I think Train may may take the cake for me. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like it. It's completely understandable. I mean, they're not that great. Yeah, they're they're the vanilla ice cream of bands, I feel like. I agree. So should we go back to talking about Randy Newman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't want to shoehorn this in <laughs> to our earlier conversation about him. Uh-huh. Um, I was I was really determined to make this work, but then I realized <laughs> it was just really silly. But at Farm Aid in 1985, uh, Randy Newman and Billy Joel uh, performed together, like dueling piano style. Oh, they did. They did. Obviously, this is this is 1985 and not 1995. So Randy Newman did not play. You've got a friend in me. Okay. But I was acceptable. I was going to make the joke that once again, they were dueling pianos, but for (laughs) your first dance song. But I realized that was a very big reach on my part. (laughs) I I think that's a good punchline, though. It's a good setup and punchline. But, you know, back in 1985, Randy Newman was playing Farm Aid. He, He had a, you know, he's had a great, a career outside of um, the film and yeah, the film and TV um, work that he's done. Um, he is, I think, just a Tony away from having an EGOT. Yeah. Because he's got an Emmy for the theme from Monk. Good show. Obviously, he has Grammys and Oscars from his work. Um, 
his Pixar songs. All he needs is a Tony. I think he can do it. Yeah. I, if anyone can do it, Randy Newman can. Most definitely. And he Maybe actually, he's working on it now. It's possible. He does have a he does have a writing credit in the Three Amigos, so he could write his own musical. I'm sure. I love that. I think that's like the greatest fun fact ever. I think that was my favorite movie growing up. Really? Yeah. I yeah. think the Three Amigos might have been my favorite movie until like high school. Then what movie was next? Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Did you like the sequel? I did not see the sequel, though. I think the reviews kind of scared me away. Okay. I saw um, Jeff Daniels do an interview, and he was talking about Dumb and Dumber as part of it. And his agent was, like, warning him, like, like, are you sure you want to do this movie opposite Jim Carrey? Like, Jim Carrey is on fire right now, right? He had just done The Mask and Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you think you can, like, really match his energy on screen? Yeah. Because I, I think at this point, Jeff Daniels had done mostly drama. Okay. And he wasn't known for doing comedy. And he said that he was, like, flipping through the script and being like, oh, yeah, like, I've got this scene. This scene is hilarious. You know, there's this toilet thing. This is going to kill. <laughs> like he was just, like, showing his agent, like, like oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I'm going to stick my tongue on the metal bar. Yeah. And that's going to get a ton of laughs. And then I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna take that big, huge dump in the toilet and have all that gas from the laxatives. Mm-hmm. Like he was like systematically like showing his agent like no 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 like I've got a bunch of great scenes in here <laughs> don't worry about me oh my gosh that's hilarious and you know obviously well though I don't think yeah. he I don't think he did too many more comedies after that no I don't think so I wonder how he felt after the second one. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I... I think the interview I saw with him was before that. Yeah. They were talking a lot about the newsroom. Ah, okay. Are you a big fan of Jim Carrey? Um, I would say I'm a fan. Like, I, I won't go watch... I wouldn't go watch a movie of his... Uh, bl- you know, without researching whether it's getting positive reviews. Gotcha. Do you, are you a big Jim Carrey fan? Um, I appreciate him. I think he's funny. Like, I thought he was great in Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I liked, uh, you know, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. I think my favorite f- for him as an actor for me as a fan is the Truman show. Truman show was also great. Yeah. I loved that movie. Yeah. I think that movie did a really good job of utilizing his strengths while, you know, giving him something a little bit different to do. Mm-hmm. Did you 
know that he was a painter too? Um, I found out about that recently. Mm, mm-hmm. But I didn't. Re- but yeah, he's very talented at that. Yeah, I saw some of his paintings when I was in Las Vegas two years ago. I want to say. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." She's doing a little bit of everything. Like Nancy Cartwright, uh, the voice actress for Bart Simpson, she's a painter too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But I don't want to segue into painting because that's not really a soundtrack. But, you know, just a little fun fact. I had no idea that Nancy Cartwright did that. Yeah, she's, she's pretty cool. She's cool. You've met her, right? I have. She is super, super nice. Who, yeah. are, who are some of your favorite voice artists that you've met? Uh, obviously, Nancy Cartwright. Um, Lori Allen. She plays Pearl on SpongeBob SquarePants. She's amazing. Uh, Sue Blue. She... Was on the Transformers back in the day. She's done obviously tons of stuff since then. Um, I think she's retired now. Uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch. Like, it's really nice that in the voiceover community, that I'd say all the people that I have met have been amazing individuals. They're just nice humans that are like willing to help. Like, I remember I got a voiceover gig a long time ago based on a reference of a girl that I had met who had a similar voice print as me, but she referred me to the company and they hired me for that gig that she was initially auditioning for. Like they hand off work to others thinking if they can do a better job. You know what I mean? Like I was like, that's in on-screen acting. You'd never see that. You know? Yeah. I was going to say that does not sound like Hollywood <laughs> at all. <laughs> so like, it's just like a, it's just a really awesome community to be a part of, you know? So, I mean, but like, so everyone that I've met, like even like the big players, like Rob Paulson, for example, who's been two Ninja Turtles. He's uh, Pinky from Pinky in the Brain. You know, he's uh, Yakko Warner from Animaniacs, which comes back this fall. Like it's players like that. Like even he was so down to earth, you know, like, it's just amazing company. I mean, I aspire to be in their league one day, and I'm working on it. Um, but it's it's just so cool, you know. And and regular people, like if you're not a fan of these voice actors, you're not going to know what they look like, obviously, unless you're going to Comic Con and you're in line to get their autograph or picture or something like that. But it it, it has an anonymity to it, which is nice. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a, it's a really great community to be a part of. And like, uh, so Rob Paulson has a podcast. I think it's called Talking Tunes. And was it? I think last year I went to go to this podcast taping because he brought up the original cast from the first Ninja Turtles series. And um, they read the very first episode, the pilot episode. And it was so, so cool. Unfortunately, James Avery wasn't there. May he rest in peace. Um, So they had Bill Farmer 
play the Shredder in Goofy's voice. Oh, wow. It was so cool. My mind was like, what is happening? Like, I felt like a kid in a candy store. I was like, oh, my gosh. It was amazing. And then after the show, I went up to them and I was like, what advice do you have for a voice actor like myself who's just, you know, kind of like a rookie sort of. And they're just like, just keep going and, and uh, just just do it. I don't remember what they said. I wrote it down somewhere. But something along those lines that's encouraging. And um, yeah. And then one time I ran into Jim Cummings, who plays uh, Winnie the Pooh. Um, and I ran into him, and he was as nice as can be, too. Took a picture with me, and I was like, you're Winnie the Pooh. Like, He's also Darkwing Duck. Yep. Yeah. So it's just cool to meet people like that. Like, Have you met any of your favorite, whether it was an athlete or musician or actor or anyone in the business? Um, yeah, I've met some of my like favorite people from like my favorite bands. Yeah. Um, they were all nice, like don't have too many stories to be like, oh yeah, this this is what happened after I don't remember things they told me. Um I think I was mostly <laughs> just you know, I think I was just mostly nervous um, yeah. and didn't want to like overstay Yeah. My welcome. Yeah. Uh. Um actually the new Phoebe Bridgers album is called Punisher because I guess it's like a slang for what um, artists will call the fans who just like will not leave them alone at the merch table. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not referring to the Punisher as the comic book uh, right. hero, but that's like industry code for like the fan that just like will not shut up. Wow. Yeah, I don't want to be that person. So, yeah, no, I, no. I, I think I'm too... Um, self-conscious about being a punisher where I haven't had mm-hmm. um, where I don't try to like um, talk too much to um, you know bands or or actors that I that I run into um, but yeah I, I would agree with you that voice voice act, actors voice artists mm-hmm. uh, they they tend to be um, pretty pretty happy to to chat for a bit I met uh, James Urbaniak Oh wow! Um, he was like, I was like, I'm a I'm a big Venture Brothers fan. He's like, Do you want to do the Go Team Venture thing with me? I was like, I, I was like, Oh, like you're offering. <laughs> <laughs> like absolutely. Oh, so let's get back to um, a story about your wedding. Oh yes. So at your wedding, my wife told me that you were going to have a stand-up comedian at your wedding. Yes, she like, is correct which I thought was a terrible idea at the time. <laughs> I mean, yes. it just sounds like a bad idea because she had explained it as it was your friend's friend from college. Correct. Like, it Who happens? Like oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Like, it wasn't like, oh, this person is... Well, I don't know if Mary had been on Conan by that time. I don't know. But, you know, clearly more than just like some person I know at, from college that <laughs> that tried, yeah. that is trying to be a stand-up comic. Right. So I ended up being Mary Mack. Mary Mack is awesome. She's so funny. I love her. Yeah, she's great. We saw her, I think, a few months before your wedding. We were at okay. a show. 
Uh-huh. Like we weren't going to see her, but she they brought her out at the show and she was very funny. Like her humor is great, but we were we were watching the New Standards which is um a cover band from Minnesota. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the bassist from Semisonics in that band. Mm-hmm. And they brought out Mary Mack and they brought out the lead singer from Semisonic. And I, you know, this was early in uh, the courtship of my wife. And I was like, is this too much Minnesota for her at once? <laughs> you know, because Mary Mack's talking about like ticks and Lyme disease and meat raffles. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't know if this is just too much for my wife. But she's very funny. We enjoyed her. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't make it to your wedding, so we didn't get to see her right. um, do comedy at your wedding. But that would have been funny because my wife would be like, oh, my gosh, that girl from that show with talking about the meat raffle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. she's just so refreshing, you know? She's a clean comic that she just, her storytelling is, phenomenal in the way she just presents it to you in a conversational way that you can relate to her on all aspects of her material you know even if you're not from minnesota or wisconsin never had uh, a tick bite or lyme disease or something like it, you you could just I, I just love her she's so so fun yeah, if I had known it was her, I would have been like, oh, like that would be fun for a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But when, well, you know, and I'm glad it went well for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you hear like it's my friend's friend from college, you're thinking right. like, like, oh, An man, open micer. Yeah, like, or uh-huh. like a roast. Yes, I totally. Or like a, or like totally a bunch of jokes like, yeah. hey, bro, it's her day. Your <laughs> night, right? So, so Mary Mack is one of the nicest comedians, actors that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember talking to her about going to the state fair. Uh-huh. Uh Because Eunice, my wife, was uh, she had never been, and I hadn't been since I was a kid. I was like, oh, we're thinking about going to the state fair next year. And Mary Mack was like, oh, you should go. You should totally go. And then she explained the State Fair to Eunice as it's like New York City, but it only had all the best things. <laughs> yeah. And then she said, maybe I'll see you guys there. I go like, a, I go like 10 times a year. <laughs> That's cool. And it's not often where, like, you meet, like, a comedian or an actor, and they're like, maybe I'll see you around. Yeah. And you might. Have you been back since? We have not. Oh. Last year because of the baby, and then this right. year because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is very maybe, sad. Maybe next year. Um, I think we'll probably try to go and... Zoe's a little bit older, so she doesn't need, like, a nap in the middle of the day. And No, that's true. Is it in September? Um, I think it ends Labor Day weekend. Oh, so. okay. So probably August. Yeah, so I think it starts two or three weeks before then, and then it ends Labor okay. Day weekend. What's your favorite um, food when you go? Like, what's your go-to you just have to have? The corn on the cob, the roasted corn on the cob is mm. the best. Mm-hmm. 
Minnesota corn is very different from uh, California corn. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure Nebraska corn's even better than that. <laughs> since they're the corn husker state. But does it have a natural sweetness to it? I don't know if it's a sweetness, but it's just like the kernels are bigger and juicier. Oh, really? Like it just tastes better. Like you can tell Ooh. it's just better quality corn. I want to um, go. Yeah, so the the roasted corn is great. Um, Eunice loves cheese, so we get the fried cheese curds. Delicious. Love those curds. The curds are great. Um, the quadruple fried French fries are also good. Stop. Quadruple fried? Wow. I believe that's what my friend told me. He goes, these are like quadruple fried. So are you just biting into a stick of oil by that point? No, it's, the, it's, it's very... Or are they like steak fries? They're not thicker. They're not as thick as steak fries, but they're like... They're definitely like a lot thicker than like McDonald's fries. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so those are very good. Yeah, I was skeptical of the French fries because I just figured like it's French fries. Yeah, yeah. But my, my buddy got a bucket of them. They're very Ooh. good. People obviously are all about the um, bucket of cookies you can get. Chocolate <gasps> chip cookies. Ooh, that sounds sweet, tasty. From Sweet Martha's. Does she ship? I don't know. She might now because they probably have a ton of cookie dough and no state fair. Sweet Martha's? Hmm. But they also have like a, they have a bunch of artisanal sort of food, uh-huh. a bunch of food vendors. We had like a goat cheese and roasted peach something or other. Ooh! So it's you know it's pretty it can get pretty upscale if you want it to be. Uh huh. You know, and and moving from Minnesota to San Diego, I just assumed everything in California was going to be better, but. That state fair, I don't think I don't think anything out here matches that. <laughs> I I I would agree. Like it's I've been some, to the Orange County Fair, I've been to the yeah. Del Mar Fair. The state fair is pretty cool up in Sacramento. I've only been a couple of times. I'll have to check that out because that's really like the true apples to apples comparison. I can't compare a whole state fair to a to a county fair I guess. <laughs> but you know it was fun Eunice had a great time we got to eat a lot of fancy food oh, that sounds like the perfect day to me and not so fancy food it's a mix of everything I love it I want to go we should all go yeah let's do it How how old does Zoe have to be like I'm thinking like five. Five, okay. There should be All a right. vaccine by then. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll be good. Okay, we'll go in Zoe's five. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure we'll have Mary Mac shows around. <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 send her a text message saying, "Hey, are you coming to the state fair today? Because we are, and that's where the fun is happening." So I was talking, or so I emailed um, the intro outro track that I made to to you and to my friend Phil, who who made the music. Uh huh. Just thought you guys would want to hear what 
the end product is. Oh, I thought it was great. Thank you for asking me to be a part of it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so I sent it to Phil. He goes, oh, it sounds really good. He goes, who's the kid that's doing the voice? <laughs> Tell him thank you. And I said, that's my friend Amber, and that's her real voice. <laughs> Which that's is uh, sometimes how you open your comedy shows. Yes. Yes, it is. You got to acknowledge what is obvious and that people notice first about you and just get it out of the way. It's a good icebreaker, I think. Yeah, definitely. I feel um, like it is. So every time I've seen you do comedy, I think you've done, uh, I think you've, uh, you usually have a pretty polished set in my opinion. Like I think uh, you're pretty good at commanding the crowd. I haven't seen you bomb, which is great. Thank you. I don't know. If, I don't think I told you about this, but I had a acquaintance who wanted to be a stand-up comedian oh, okay. years ago. Uh huh. And I didn't want to tell you this story like while you were starting out because I didn't want it to get in your head. <laughs> Thank you. So it was it was similar to what you were doing, where he took a class, mm-hmm. and then at, as part of the class they they do a little show. And that's, you know, I guess it's pretty standard for the, for right. the course, right? Yeah. So we went to his show. It was like at a hotel in like a conference room, like they rented out a conference room. Oh, wow. Or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so we go to the show. So we meet up with him beforehand. And one of the people in our group is just buying him drinks. Oh, just like, oh, you know, like, you'll be great. Here, have another drink. Have another drink. Ah. And so we go in for the show. And he has to go after a guy who's um, paralyzed on half of, or one side of his body is completely paralyzed. Oh, jeez. So the guy, like, so this guy goes up on stage. And it's just a bunch of jokes about his condition, similar to what you mm-hmm. said. What's the first thing that people are going to notice about you? Let's get out of the way. So this guy made a bunch of jokes about half his body not working. Uh Uh-huh. Very funny, very dark. Yes. But I can only imagine how awful it was for this guy to have to follow him. Oh, boy. So he gets up on stage. And I'm not even, like, sitting near the front. But he gets up on stage, tells his first joke, and it doesn't really land. Oh. And I can just see, like, the terror. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm in the back of the room, and I see, like, the, like his body language, like, the terror of, like, yeah. like, oh, that was probably my best joke. Oh, man, that's rough. And plus, he's been drinking, so there's no, like... I'm just going to make something up on the fly, which yeah. is not, which is, you know, hard to do as a comedian anyways. Right. Um, but you can, you sense the panic. Mm-hmm. And a couple of comics uh, earlier, like some comics were, had, were polished enough to do a little bit of crowd work. Uh-huh. And his drunken mind went to like, I'm going to do some crowd work instead. <gasps> oh no. And all that came out was him pointing at that guy and saying, you're crippled. (gasps) 
No. Yeah. Shut the front door. No way. Ah. That man was a great sport about it. He, he laughed so hard. That's good. Because I think he knew that, like, the guy was struggling. And oh, just yeah, give for him a sure. Break. Yeah, yeah. That's so kind of him to do that. But uh, wow. That's brutal. I'm sure the whole audience felt so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. It was bad. It, <sighs> was, it was like watching an episode of The Office. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, bombing is not fun. Um, but you, 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 I'm sure he's a much stronger comedian now, right? Is he still doing it? I think he retired. Oh, okay. So he, he kept it going for a little while. Yeah. Because um, he, could, he could draw people. He had a lot of friends who would come out to these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but... He had so the one friend that was buying him drinks made made a habit of like just getting this guy into comedy hell. Yeah, yeah. So drink buying guy had a birthday party. Yep. We're back at the house, hanging out, having a few beers. He goes, "Hey man, why don't you do like five minutes of comedy for everybody right now?" Huh? No. So, like, this friend who thinks he's being, like, super helpful is, like, the devil on the shoulder just, like, going to make you fail <laughs> over and over and over again. First, I'm just going to buy you too many drinks, and then yeah. I'm going to ask you to do an impromptu set at my birthday party. Like, it was bad. Wow. So, not a, not a happy ending to that story. Well, I'm glad you didn't share that with me early on. Thank you. Oh, I wanted to, but I knew that was probably not a good idea. <laughs> bombing is, is awful. Like, the times that I know I have definitely bombed have always been at comedy contests. Like, I am awful at them. Like, I don't know what it is. I think it's maybe just a, a mental thing. But once you put contest on the end of that show name, I just, I freak out. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm funny anymore. Like, I don't, I just... Like all doubt sets in because I know that they're writing comments and they're grading you and and it's I do awful, absolutely awful every single time. What what exactly is a comedy contest versus like just a comedy show? Um, well, you submit to the contest and you either so then you get invited to participate and then they'll depending on how many people are in it, for example, um, they'll have a competition at a local comedy club, say in LA somewhere. And out of that pool that made it, that are invited, say like there's 20 comics and they'll have two shows on back-to-back nights of 10 comics each. And there'll be a panel of judges judging you on your material, your um, likability on stage, the audience's response, um, your command of the stage, stuff like that. So once you pass that round and you go into the next and the next, and then there's like a final, there might be like a cash prize or like a cool thing to like open for a headliner, maybe like at an LA show somewhere or wherever it is. Um, usually that's how they work. 
I like going to festivals. Those are awesome because you get to be in these different shows throughout the week into the weekend. And uh, they have different panels from the industry, uh, like whether they're agents, managers, or other bookers from different clubs that can give you advice or you can ask or network opportunities. So it's those are more fun, I think, for me than the, com- the competitions. Have comedians. you met any comedians that you have you know, particularly positive stories about. Oh, yes. The first, excuse me, first comedian that I met when I started pursuing comedy was um, Ken Jeong. I went to his show at the Laugh Factory in Long Beach with a friend of mine, and we had just gotten back from Germany. And so I just started my comedy class, and I was so excited to see him. And afterwards, he was just taking pictures and shaking hands with people for uh, after the show. And so we were towards the end of the line, and I went up to him, and we took a picture. And my friend who's Korean, she's a pharmacist, and um, she said something in Korean. And then I said the common greeting in Korean, and he's like, whoa. And then I, um, I said, do you have any advice for someone like me starting in stand-up? I'm a total newbie. And he was like, get rid of that voice, kid. He's like, ah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but really, if you do succeed, uh, remember Dr. Ken told you that you would or something like that. Like, he was super cool. Super, super cool. And I've just had positive experiences with, like, Joe Coy and um, Brad Williams, um, Eliza, Christella Alonzo. Um, a whole bunch of people I've been very lucky to see and, and actually had an opportunity to shake hands with, you know, before the pandemic. So would you say that the comedy community is kind of like the voiceover community where most people are like really, are really helpful? I mean, they may not, you know, try to book you in shows that they're not able to make or anything like that, but right. you, but do you feel like it's that tight knit community where, you know, yeah. people are at least willing to offer you advice? Yes, very supportive, at least from my experience. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Very cool, because, you know, obviously Joe, Joe Coy and Elijah Schlesinger, they all have a billion Netflix specials. And, they do. You know, Cristela Alonso had her own sitcom, right? Yeah, on ABC. And she came out with a book last year, which was really, really good. It's really cool that um, that they're willing to, you know, lend an ear for a few minutes. Oh, oh yeah, and I'd have to say, um, Eliza has definitely been the nicest person you could ever imagine, and so supportive. I don't know if I told you this story, maybe, maybe not, but last year in August, I think, I saw her at the Irvine Improv. And I went to a Friday night show, the later one, because usually the comics are a little bit looser and just like, just, you know, just go all out typically because they're tired, they may have been drinking, who knows. And you always get an interesting show if it's the last one in the evening, at least from my experience. Like with theater, you know, you always go to the last one and the cast goes all out kind of thing. Um, and so when I went to see her that night, I had also paid to do the meet and greet after the show and when I go up there I give her just a little card to say thank you 
And it came from a sincere place because when we lived in Germany, she had, I think, two Netflix specials out. And I would always watch them because they made me feel less homesick. And so in the card, I just wrote down the things I wanted to say in case I couldn't get them out because I didn't know how fast the picture taking was going to be or how much time I'd have with her. And in that card, I said, you know, I just started stand-up and my dream is to open for you just five minutes uh, at some point in my career and everything else I do is just gravy. And then um, I kid you not, I get back home probably 1230 at night and I park my car and I see that I got an email on my phone and I open it up and it's from Eliza and because I provided my contact information in the card, <clears throat> excuse me. And so then, <clears throat> sorry. And she, um, she said, how would you like to open for me five minutes at my matinee show on Saturday at 3 PM? My opener um, will give you all the details. And I replied back, yes, absolutely. That'd be amazing. And like, I started crying because I was just so shocked and like just dumbfounded by the generosity of this person who doesn't have to be this nice, you know, she doesn't have to. And, um, and so then I, I showed up the next day and I did my five minutes. I made sure to stay under five minutes because if you, if you go over, that's considered rude, you know. And um, the Irvine Improv was sold out all weekend. There was like over 400 people there. And I just, I was so nervous. And then I remember coming off stage and um, I was literally shaking. Like, you know, when you have like a, not a traumatic experience, but like an excited moment. And you're just like, your body is just like shaking out all the energy kind of thing. Like you just can't control it. And I was shaking so badly afterwards and she's like you did great and I was like oh thanks and then I just got to hung out, hang out with her in the green room and then afterwards I took a picture with her and her family and it was awesome like I don't I doubt she remembers me now I mean it's been almost almost a year but it was I just appreciated that generosity you know and and um I'll never forget it she's amazing yeah that's great yeah very cool. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for letting me share about comedy and voice acting. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so if people are interested in your comedy or your voice acting, Amber, how can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. My, is, my account name is Amber Rose Oviles. And my website is AmberTheActor.com Very cool. And we'll have that information on the Soundtrack Your Life website as well. And uh, thank you, Amber, for, for uh, being our guest tonight. Thank you, Ryan, so much. You've got an awesome podcast. Rock on! Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, SoundtrackYourLife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.